0: And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs. Welcome back to Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs with your friendly Church of England vicars, uh, Jamie Franklin and Daniel French. Uh, We're recording at a significant time, aren't we, Daniel, because this is the first episode that we've recorded since the... Death of Queen Elizabeth II. So, um, pretty significant stuff.
1: Yeah, a monumental, a monumental week. I think a lot of people will have that uh, thing. You know, like, do you remember where you were when Kennedy was shot or Princess Diana died? Uh, they'll have that memory of where, where were we when we heard about the queen's the queen's death uh, and how did we react? What did we do immediately? Yeah, uh, I heard it while. Well, being well cooking in the kitchen uh stopped cooking went down to went down to the church met some bell ringers who did a muffled ring uh and actually within minutes there were people there were people down at uh at the parish grounds in the churchyard you know very 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 upset i was surprised by my own emotions actually Mm -hmm. i I was really choked up you know um as, as if um a beloved distant grandmother had yeah. passed away. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, we, we, we had a sort of vigil debate 30 and then some hymns, which about 40, 50 people turned up. Really? Some restauranteur friends came in and were brilliant. They kind of swooped up and l- covered the church with votive candles and oh. laid out the books of condolences and stuff. And, um, uh, and, and, and then in the morning, we met as a ministry team in the early hours at the Vicarage for breakfast, and the team were brilliant. They put on, in our three churches, we put on um, three services in the school assembly that day. Wow. Wow. And yeah. I'll tell you what, we had about, I reckon, well, uh, one, one, of, um, one of us was doing a head count, and uh, he reckoned we had about, Three hundred and fifty people came for communion. Wow!
0: Over yeah. over three services. Wow, wow, that's quite something, isn't it? Mm. it well, I think it sounds like you did a brilliant job there, Daniel, in in um, in being focused. It is
1: exhaust emotionally, yeah. re- much more draining than I ever thought it would be. Really felt the end of it completely yeah. flat out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 I was also on the cusp of the following day. It was my uh, was uh, did become thankfully uh, my wife's ordination to the diaconate right uh, the cathedral and i yeah. know the day before they were all in lee abbey on retreat and they went you know Goodness understandably me. there was a real tailspin moment where they're wondering you know do they cancel the ordination yeah, of course what do they do i had 10 relatives from scotland flying down to exeter airport you know do we ring them up and say it's off what do we do? Um, I mean, it all it all went ahead actually. Yeah. And they ended up in the on the BBC News because they were the first um, of um, any professional class to swear that allegiance to the new king
0: all right yeah, yeah yeah no that's that's yeah well i mean i'm rightly say that it went ahead as well uh, uh, there has been quite a bit of criticism of, of the football being cancelled at the weekend mm-hmm. and i think i think it too i can completely understand it because i think they were probably panicking and they made the decision quickly and then probably regretted it given that oh. the rest of the sport went ahead but um, sports yeah. um the church clearly these are all opportunities for people to come together and and to pay respects publicly I think the most, the most crazy thing I heard, well, maybe not, maybe not the most crazy, but one of the crazy things I heard was that center parks apparently said that they were going to close for one day, the day of the funeral, and then reopen again. And I think then some people thought, well, hang on a second, how is this going to work? Are we going to kick all the families out and then invite (laughs) them to come back again the following day? Anyway, they've, they've gone back on that. that. I think think people were just panicking, weren't they?
1: Well, uh, the, um, the diocese bishop and the ordinations, I think, summed it up rather well when he said, you know, can we imagine that her late Majesty of the Queen would say something like, No, no, you must cancel all these events?
0: No way. Well, she That's she she, she um mindset, is
1: it? She, yeah. she would say carry on regardless.
0: Yeah, she wanted to fly down from Balmoral to London to meet Liz Truss on the week that she died because she didn't want to put Liz Truss and I, I assume Boris Johnson out by making them go to Balmoral. She—that's the kind of person that she was. She was an unassuming person, and honestly, I mean, no, I didn't know her, but from what I know about her, I think she wouldn't have wanted people to cancel, uh, cancel everything, and 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 cease all activity. I think she would have been much much more pleased with a public um, display of respect. You know, all people coming together rather than just you know having. Having time off. I think you're exactly right about that. But, Jenny, we've got loads, there's loads of themes that come up, which kind of intersect with the themes that we explore here on the show. But just to introduce people to us, um, if perhaps you're listening to us for the first time, uh, we are vicars in the Church of England, uh, believe it or not. And uh, we talk about uh, faith and current affairs, sometimes from a, a fairly robust perspective. Um, I was actually, I did a, a recording for the Unbelievable podcast this week. Um, Daniel speaking of robust engagement um with uh, John Stevens who's the head of FIEC the fellowship fellowship of independent evangelical churches talking about COVID and the lockdowns um I was a skeptical voice uh John much more um supportive of the mainstream uh, approach that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks so I'll keep people posted about that that's a really really positive um engagement with John really enjoyed it
1: was uh, how can people get to hear that? What's that available? That's available. well, it will
0: be. It will be. A, it will be. A, I think they they have a YouTube channel, and it will be up on your normal podcast platforms. But when it comes out, it's coming out on Thursday, uh, Friday, I think the thirtieth of whatever this month is, September, and um, it's too early in the morning for me to remember um, what month it is clearly. Um, but yeah, so that, that will be out in two weeks and we'll put it, we'll, we'll flag it up and put it on notices and stuff. Um, and there's lots, there's lots to follow up on actually. I've, I've been writing a few thoughts down, which I'll probably release on release on my blog because it's such a massive topic and there's a limited amount of time, um, which is no one's fault, but there's so many things there, uh, which, which could be followed up really fascinating things. Mm. Um, for people who are regular listeners, you can always support the podcast. Yay. By going to our website, reverendpod.com irreverendpod.com and you can click on the big red button and support us on patreon and make a monthly contribution you get the episodes early and also some uh, other you know little little bits and pieces uh, which we're hoping to um, expand quite soon uh, so that's uh irreverendpod.com click on the red button patreon or you can buy us a coffee a virtual coffee that is not a real coffee um unless you're in the same vicinity as us course and then you can but you can buy us a virtual coffee and that's the big yellow button or you can indeed go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash The thing i like about the virtual coffees apart from the fact that people contribute um financially to the running of the show uh is that people also leave a nice uh message quite a lot of the time and we've got some really nice uh, messages this week um so tim bought us three coffees again lots of people buy us three coffees be a light unto the world and one coffee each someone bought another three coffees keep up the great work and words of comfort relevance and wisdom in these times of challenge the queen is dead long live the king um yoz j rock or yoz Drock says hello thanks for the excellent podcast feel free to get a jar of coffee or box of tea bags take a flask to the park or the seaside well you live near the seaside daniel unfortunately i live in the most landlocked country i I
1: uh, had uh dick delinpole a blessed memory nice uh yes day before yesterday take me out for a real coffee to there he's um staying here on holiday uh 100 yards away and just a little bit further there's a lovely hotel so we had two lattes and it was great to catch oh, up. And happened the week before just before the uh queen's passing uh his sister and her partner likewise uh, took me out for a, a real coffee which was which was nice great. yeah i i, I went out for coffee with uh a... meet them actually and to to chat yeah. talk I... about thursday circles which He's yeah. really encouraged and uh, enthusiastic to push.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went out for a coffee with a listener who's just moved into the area recently. It's it's, it's great to meet people who listen to the show in person. It's a real joy. Uh, one other message, which is a very special message from Catherine. She says, giving thanks to you all for this wonderful podcast that I listen to each week. Uh, I'm not religious, but for the first time in my 48 years on earth, I find myself leaning towards considering it. I would never have felt like this without your practical approach to it. Since COVID and waking up to the wicked world we are governed by, I'm hopeful that there are better things coming, if not in this life, but maybe the one to come. So thank you again. This is immensely enjoyable. Uh P.S. I pulled my son from school in October 2021 and we now home educate and it's brilliant. I have a happy 13-year-old, a little smiley face there. So uh, wow, that,
1: that's that's amazing, isn't it? And yeah. I think again, we'd say that is uh, very typical of a lot of the the really gracious correspondence that we we get whether it's um, through that platform, um, other social media messaging, um, or, I mean, I, I literally get every week at least mm-hmm. one or two postcards, letters from people with encouragement. And I think that's a, it's just fab That is heartening to hear that, that lots of people are um, rediscovering their Christian roots or at least, you know, leaning towards them respectfully and finding something there that that's yeah. that is pertinent to to the times
0: yeah 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 absolutely and this is what um we've said time and again and uh, we this came up on the unbelievable recording is that there are people out there especially at this time who are genuinely open to either returning to christianity or to looking into christianity for the first time and what these kinds of people want i'm not saying this is everyone but what these kinds of people want is they want clarity uh they want um a robust engagement uh they want um they want conviction they don't want um woolly molly coddling and trying you know people trying to placate um, the culture and everything like that and that's really what we try and do we'll probably do it imperfectly but um yeah. we we believe that there should really be more of that in the, uh, fresh in the
1: expression of
0: church James. fresh yeah yeah fresh expression yeah yeah really although did you ever i did somebody, fresh expression everybody wanted but yeah yeah i uh, did somebody somebody adjustment. said um once that the, the phrase fresh expression sounds like um you know, like a, a bathroom toilet cleaner or something like that, and I, I think there's, I think there's some truth in that. Anyway, that's a little bit of an in joke for, for yeah. the. Um, let's Daniel. Let's have a, um, let's have a biblical reflection before we go any further. Um, today, I'm just going to read from two Timothy four six to eight because it's the the verses that I've been thinking about since the um, since the passing of the Queen. But let's say, um, let's say the Lord's prayer together first. So um, invite listeners, if you'd like to, uh, to say the Lord's prayer with us. Um, So let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I always do that when I mix up the Book of Common Prayers lord's prayer and then the the more contemporary one it's just it's it's, it's tricky isn't it because there are there are there are those two versions which are so similar but there's just those little tweaks which um are made in the modern time anyway that's ir- irrelevant really i'm sure people can follow along well, we're right.
1: gonna have a whole special on translations of the lord's prayer yeah. uh, car yeah. crashes
0: Well, I mean, Tom is the, Tom is the one who just, he just changes, (laughs) completely changes the words. (laughs) Anyway. um, He's not into our parent. No, no, it's not that bad. No, 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 it's not that bad. Our, our, um, our heavenly parent. Our facilitator. Yeah. 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 Anyway, let's not go down. Let's not go down that road, shall we? We do we could do a special on that kind of thing. Um, okay, so 2 Timothy 4, 6. So this is the Apostle Paul writing towards the end of his life um, to, the, to his um, protege, Timothy. He writes, for I'm already on the point of being sacrificed. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing.
1: Can you give the reference again, just to? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's two Timothy four, verses six to eight. Okay. And of course, we have those we have those very famous and powerful words there in verse seven. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith, and that's that's really the um, that's what came to my mind when I was thinking about the death of Queen Elizabeth. Um, now we're going to talk about perhaps some more contentious stuff later on, and try and sort of address things which perhaps people who listen to this podcast might wonder about. But um, the 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 abiding theme to me of her life is one of faithfulness, and actually, you know, it reminds me of um, the the phrase that I think comes from Eugene Peterson, which is a, a long obedience in the same direction. You know, mm. that's really what her life was. It was a, it was one of, of untiring. Um, unceasing commitment to her duty to the nation but but also done explicitly in the name of her christian faith and indeed this is um something perhaps the media don't uh, don't pick up on very much at all um, haven't heard much about it on the bbc i have to say but but she was um, she was clearly uh, committed christian believer and she became ever more explicit particularly in her her christmas addresses as as she got older um and in that sense i think i think um these words apply to her as much as as they apply to the apostle paul um the the other thing and i'd I'd love to hear your reflections on this as well daniel that um in it after just after i've made this final observation is is that um it's it's an interesting moment in the culture because again we're coming face to face with death, aren't we? We're we're this image of the queen's coffin, you know, of her dead body being um, transported from uh, Balmoral, you know, all the way via various cathedrals and to Buckingham Palace. And now, as we record, she's lying in um, lying in state in Westminster Hall, you know, this this co- this coffin on on the top of this enormous catafalque with people walking past it paying their respects uh, once again uh, death is is foregrounded in this visceral way which is is very very unusual in our culture we don't normally have um, moments like this where really death is is up front and center you know the main theme of the conversation and I think once again it's an opportunity, uh, to remind people of the comforting balm of the Christian gospel, um, that as, as followers of Christ uh, who believe that the Queen was indeed a faithful disciple, again, these words of the Apostle Paul apply. There is laid up for her the crown of righteousness, um, which the Lord will award to her. We yeah. have every confidence that Queen Elizabeth is with the Lord Jesus. And indeed, this is our hope as well. Christians, we don't believe that she's just slipped away forever, that she's just gone, and that you know her dead body is all that remains of her. Uh, We believe that there is an abiding hope. Mm. And um, I heard this quote from um, Bonhoeffer recently uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German uh, theologian uh, who was um, killed by the Nazis for his opposition to them. Uh, He wrote, Death is hell and night and cold if it is not transformed by our faith. But that is just what is marvellous, that we can transform death.
1: It is, it is a, it, uh, a, a, a moment, isn't it, in our history, maybe a little bit like the death of Princess Diana, but I actually think more profoundly in terms of that s- investigation mm. to... Um, the Christian message of death and resurrection. And and you'll know this, uh, many of us who are in pastoral ministry will appreciate that, um, particularly since the death of Princess Diana, uh, there was a shift in the way that funerals were conducted and not necessarily uh, a a totally positive one, that they became, yes, they became less doer events, but they also became largely celebratory yeah. of the person's life. Now, okay, that's fine in one respect, but when that overwhelms the liturgy and it becomes, uh, for, for older viewers will remember Michael Aspel and Eamon Andrews had a show called This Is Your Life, you know, yeah. where celebrities were uh, pounced upon randomly uh, and then, um, had this celebration of their life while still being alive you know it was a sort of eulogizing it was like it was like hearing your your obituary while yeah. you're, while you're still going you know yeah. Yeah. Um, and the great and the good went on this and you know when uh, aspel or andrews came with their red with their infamous red book you oh, know no you know i've got to look surprised and horrified yeah. i get to, uh, yeah. well, yeah. A, a lot of our funeral liturgies have tended toward the pressures towards that where mm. we just discuss the present or the past mm. i think the glory of the christian religion and maybe there's a little opening at this moment in the psyche the national psyche is that we can have this Opening into the things that are eternal, mm-hmm. the resurrection, and and the s- spiritual truths that transcend uh, even a person's life. You know that mm-hmm. that we are um, eternal beings uh, with an eternal destiny, with uh, choices and a, and a divine invitation. Um, yeah. uh, and I, I think that was clearly in the in the queen's makeup that. Yeah. That that sense of you know she she had that ordered in the correct way as a Christian and that takes I think a life of of, of service and humility particularly if you're at the top of the hierarchy to know that it's not about your celebrity yeah. but actually it is about Him who who stands above us and with yeah. us yeah. Uh, and who works through us that that's that's really difficult and I think a lot of us it, as pastors i mean i had i've had an enormous amount of funerals this year 35 funerals i've never mm. had 35 fu- funerals in my life and you know, that's another discussion mm. why yes. the death rates so high but you know all the time you're trying to yes uh, note that person's life and the impact they've had upon them and the grief felt and experienced but also i find myself wanting to push for that catharsis in in the in those in those gatherings to remember the divine invitation to for us to come into um a redeemed life you know uh, uh and that's that's hard i mean in the past you know years years ago i think people in their funeral celebrations you know either got something very dour or they maybe got a hard hitting sermon uh, with nothing mentioned about the person right. until the wake, uh, and um, and now we've kind of swung the other way. And I wonder if in the in the solemnity and the, the beautiful way that you know really only Anglicans can do uh, in marking uh, in marking the this event uh, uh, and all the procession and the ritual. The solemnity that that we can maybe recapture a bit of a bit of that because I, I don't think this is going to be a state funeral. Dare I say it? Where Elton John turns up?
0: Well, yeah. Let's hope not. Um, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. think
1: it's actually going to be something hopefully really beautiful. Yeah, um, and uh, and powerful uh, uh, that that um that touches upon us and 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 can we as People in ministry ride on the back of that in a positive way. In a way, I think she would want us to, yeah, yeah. You know, remember that thou art dust and to dust thou shalt.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, you're you're right, Daniel. The, the The practice of having secular songs in at funerals has really only come in since the funeral of, of Princess Diana, and now, of course, as you know, far better than I do, but it's an absolute. Uh, just assumption that people make when they come in, you know, that they will be able to have secular music in a funeral service. Now, you know, what's, go- what's going on there? I think it's. I think a lot of the time I've seen that it's actually, I'm not saying this is always the case, but a lot of the time there's a kind of denialism going on. It's like, well, we'll have fun songs. We'll have happy songs at the funeral in order to celebrate that person and think, think about their lives um, in a positive way. And all of that's to the good. But there is, as you say, I mean, for example, I I once had somebody have um, um, reach reach by S Club Seven played as the body was being committed in a crematorium. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's this this. I mean, to me, that that kind of um, embodied. Yeah,
1: I, I the had one. The, uh, I had to stop one, which was relight my fire. At the yeah. I mean, oh,
0: you know, in a crematorium.
1: Yeah. Oh 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 my
0: goodness! yeah but, but that just it does it does just embody the denialism uh, that that could be a play i'm not saying it is and you have to be sensitive about these things but it's like well you've got to mourn you've got to grieve you've got to come to the reality you've got to come to you've got to come face to face with the reality and then you can pick yourself up again you can put yourself back together and you can carry on and it, it hurts and it's dreadful it's painful but it's only through facing it that you can actually deal with it and that's one of the most important aspects I think of, of funeral ministry. Uh, I agree about preaching the gospel in yeah, the so,
1: so I suppose what we're funeral ministry isn't it we, we wonder we're hypothesizing will funeral ministry
0: change
1: on the back of this Yes
0: yes 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 yeah
1: so, um, really will it rebalance yeah. uh, some of the excesses uh, and push us back to focusing a little bit more on eternity. Uh, and um, and maybe also, I think, as clergy open up, and this is one of my big frustrations um, with people is that, um, uh, you know, as clergy, we can offer so so much pastoral time and liturgical rites for people in the process of dying. Yeah. Uh, and um, we are not glorified undertakers or, or funeral celebrants. Yeah yeah uh, it's just a little part of that death ministry hmm. um uh, and isn't it is it interesting that of recent times people have gone off to you know humanist um celebrants or um, death cafes um or um, death midwifery yeah. uh, and you can understand why you know and good on them in a sense for yeah. for finding the industry and, and a hole in the market but um yeah Uh, really in many ways that is that should that should be our terrain
0: yeah of course it should um let's just bring it back to the queen just for a moment i wanted to someone shared this with uh with one of the groups we're in actually um quotation from the queen's address in um christmas address in 2011 Uh, i'll just read some of this out uh speaking about the um uh, verse for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. The Queen said, Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a savior with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families, it can restore friendships, and it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. In the last verse of this beautiful carol, O little town of Bethlehem, there's a prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. It is my prayer that on this Christmas day we might all find room in our lives for the message of the angels and for the love of God through Christ our Lord. I wish you all a very happy christmas and our friend has commented that this is better than anything any church leader said in a christmas message and it will take a, a lot for the new king to get close but that is true and you know the thing about this i was thinking you know it's it's you when she was doing this kind of stuff I, i'm certain i took it for granted and the fact i think it's the fact that she you know because of her Almost, you know, her sense of modesty almost, you know, she's just a, in some ways, like a, in some ways, a sort of frail old lady saying these things. And you kind of think, well, you know, this is just almost a bit par for the course. But when you look back at it and you see the clarity, those words, there's a few paragraphs there, and it just cuts to the very heart of the Christian gospel in this absolutely clear way. And like our friend says, it's so, it's so true, isn't it? So many priests and bishops just waffle on and on and on and end up not really saying anything at all, but the Queen in really just a few words. Mm. You know, she's, talking about, uh, she's talking about forgiveness. She's talking about the healing of, of family. She's talking about the centrality of Christ. Um, she's talking about the love of God and the transforming power of the gospel. It's just, it's really powerful stuff. It's brilliant, really isn't it?
1: And yeah. um, uh, it would be interesting to know who, who around her was helping yeah. i'm not saying if anyone maybe she read anyone it you know or who was encouraging because you know you could imagine there could be an enormous amount of discouragement to say that stuff yeah um and thankfully she had the fortitude and the good team around her to to say no we are going to give an explicit christian message yeah uh, where salvation and forgiveness and redemption are part of the vocabulary, yeah, and, and and those are those are jigsaw pieces of the jigsaw that often, as you said, um, the great and the good in in our churches are often shy to yeah. talk about because they think there'll be some sort of consumer resistance to,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely, so you just
1: gave it as it was, you know, and um. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the story in terms of her modesty from Dick Griffin, her uh, her special protection police officer. And I think that that little story about, you know, the American. Have you heard it? The American
0: yeah, I have, yeah. Jurists, you Didn't recognize her, yeah. Get,
1: get her to get her to take a selfie and they don't know who she is. Yeah. They almost dismiss her and she just goes along with it. Yeah. yeah. And then thought, She
0: made a yeah. comment, didn't she, at the end? Well, after they'd gone, she said, oh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they show that to somebody, you know, show the selfie to somebody. Yeah,
1: I, just, I, I just think that's wonderful. And you know, that summed her up so well, um, because Lord knows there are, there are a heck a of lot of puffed up celebrities yeah. uh, and global leaders strutting around the world you know, who, um, as as Christ would say, the Gentiles who lord it over us, who make their presence felt, who, when we meet, are so disappointed because they are so full of themselves. Yeah. And over and over again, what we pick up from the Queen, which I think go, cuts right to heart of her spirituality, is that modesty and that humility. You know, yes, she is the Queen. And, and you know she's not expecting us to be all matey with her but there is that fundamental modesty
0: yeah Yeah. she
1: knows that there is one above her who is infinitely the king
0: yeah yeah well she saw herself as a servant didn't she you know the queen yeah the servant queen and yeah that that definitely comes across for sure um daniel um not to introduce a kind of negativity into the conversation, but I think in some ways bringing this stuff up actually will bring greater levels of clarity um, to to this whole discussion. There's a couple of things I think would be good to to address. Um, one of the one of the the first thing I suppose is is there have been lots of people. I mean, not loads, and, and not a, not a loud voice at all. But this is a time when the question of monarchy and republican republicanism gets brought up. Um, so I think that's, that's an important question. There's also, um, there's also a contingent within, uh, the sort of vast swathe of vast swathe, the, uh, the, the enormous swathe of people who listen to this podcast, who would say, um, who would say that the queen is part of a corrupt establishment and people might take that quite a long way. Um, uh, so, so they might have a question there about, um, you know, whether or not the queen should be celebrated. Um, there's also a question about societal decline under Elizabeth II. She's been a monarch for 70 years. And I mean, I, you know, I'd you be interested to hear what you would say about it, but I would certainly consider the last 70 years to be a period of decline as far as our, um, our well, what would you call it? Our relationship to God is concerned, let's say. Uh, it's not been good overall in that sense. So there's all those kind of things to um talk about and i'd love to get your thoughts on it well uh, I, I, i'd sum it up in one line yeah
1: can you imagine the last 70 years without the queen yeah and um, what it would be like yeah I, yes there's decline i think yeah you know, like um matthew arnold's great poem about sea of faith coming in and out like a tide uh, beach, yeah. uh that there is um very little at, anybody could do about that on on any great on any great level certainly the, certainly the queen but can you imagine if we had not had the queen mm, yeah uh, this devout christian modest uh s- servant monarch at the top of our society uh, and um uh and the commonwealth what the, what the alternative reality would look like and where we would be now in terms of um you know if if particularly if uh you know if it's the culture wars that concern us um uh, or, or emerging technocracy um militant atheism and and so on and so on and so on uh, i i think we would be in a far far worse place yeah uh, and actually she's ended up as a bulwark really kind of Keeping the worst of it from yeah. from, from from hitting us, yeah. uh, and and perhaps even dare dare I dare dare I say it, you know, we were in the in the last two three years, yes, you you and I have have vehemently vehemently argued against all the lockdown stuff, but um, we came out as a as a nation state a lot quicker, yeah, than, than others. Uh, I'm not saying that was the Queen, you know, penning memos to cabinet. Hmm cabinet and whatever but certainly there's a sort of she's kept a kind of british values of independent mindedness uh and fair play and uh, and and that which i think has stopped us going down the route of other yep. uh, other countries that are still in in the covid theater
0: yeah, so so that's a really important point, isn't it? And and this this I think comes to the question of the purpose or the purpose of monarchy in general. And I think in our modern mindset, it's quite hard for us to get this. But but um, the 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 king or the queen and the royal family in general. Uh, this has been famously argued by um, C.S. Lewis, for example, and also I've heard um, Pete Hitchin saying similar things recently. But but the king or the queen is like a focus for let's say the patriotic devotion of a nation. They are the sort of celebrities par excellence. And the reason that's necessary is because this is human nature. It's human nature to look up to, to something or somebody. And we do this, of course, all the time. in you know, with, with uh, sports people or, or pop stars or whatever, but the King and the queen, they take that role in a political sense so that it's removed from the democratically elected politician so they don't have all that pomp and circumstance they're just generally speaking kind of much ordi- much more ordinary people they may be sort of upper middle class people but they're not you know that they're, they're not sort of exalted into that godlike status and you're quite right when you look at a country like canada for example and this sort of the authoritarian approach of a man like justin trudeau the, the sort of absolute right that he appears to think he has to dictate the lives of Canadians. There is no monarchy for people to look to. There is no other focus of, um, of loyalty at that higher level in mm-hmm. society. And even so he just, though, he just arrogates they it to himself.
1: As state, they, no, they they again, sorry. Got, even though they have the Queen as their head of state,
0: yeah, yeah, they have the queen as the head of state, but she's not she's not there in the same way as she. That's a good point. That's a good point. I,
1: I know, I know. Yeah. And um, yeah, in, in some ways, I think the wisdom and Jordan Peterson came out with this a couple of days ago to say the that the British constitutional monarchy uh, is is founded on centuries of wisdom, mm what will work and what will engender the best kind of uh, common wealth within our own country, the best common good and the best um, expression of
0: democracy and societal ingenuity uh, yeah which is which is the is the basic conservative insight yeah. isn't it it's like yeah. something that's worked, don't chuck it away, think about why it's worked and if it needs to be repaired, gradually and carefully then that should be the case but to say well we should just get rid of this because we can't we can't understand what the point of it is that is that is folly and yeah,
1: it, it takes away for me it like you said it robs uh, a- any prime minister or president of this country the ability to claim mm. some kind of divine right uh, yeah. or transcendence or you know and essentially despotism uh, and it allows for, um, yes, it, it's a sort of structured nepotism, you know, you're passing the crown down through a family line who are non-political mm-hmm. uh, at, their, at their best, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so that you don't get a sort of North, at, at your worst, a North Korean dynasty, or maybe even more modest, as has happens in America, where, you know, fathers and sons end up in the White House, which yes. seems very unhealthy. Oh yeah, for clans sure. clans who ha- who feel that they have this right yeah. to, uh, ha- to this power. Yeah,
0: you know? same in Canada, isn't it? With uh, Pierre, Pierre Trudeau, Justin Trudeau. Um, yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I think that's I think that's quite right. Um, and so I think we should be really careful about. Um, about calling for an overthrow of the monarchy of course of course but I, and i think also the other the other cru- crucial distinction to make is is um is about well you can you can want to reform an institution or you can want to see an institution revive without thinking that the institution itself should be done away with it's the same thing i feel about the church of england you know much of the church of england is good much of it is in desperate need of of uh, some kind of restoration and revival uh, and a return to faithfulness to god but it doesn't mean i'm against the church of england and i sort of feel the same way about the monarchy um i think we've just had um generally speaking uh, an exception an outstanding monarch uh, mm-hmm. really outstanding um you know one of the greatest i don't think it's i don't think it's i don't think it's um an exaggeration to say she's she's one of the greatest monarchs probably that we've ever had in in this nation's history um you know i wouldn't want to compare her and
1: she came to the whole thing in
0: a sense by a series of accidents yeah yeah but but by the providence of god you know
1: and and that's what makes it even more extraordinary yeah
0: yeah so so, so so
1: young age
0: yeah exactly in her 20s you know and she's been so so faithful and so on and so forth but but the point is what's going to happen now we'll talk about that in a minute but but even if charles were a disaster or even if william were a disaster it wouldn't make me think, well, we need to get rid of the monarchy. It would just be it would just be another bad king. You know, we've had lots of bad kings. We've had yeah, t- and, and that, you see that in the Old Testament. Don't yeah, you? yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, what was it? Seventeen are rotters and two are, ne- two are pious.
0: Yeah. And even um, the good ones like David and Solomon get things a point significantly wrong. And there's the other thing as well. From a from a biblical perspective, the kingship is um there's a, there's definitely a, there's definitely a divine mandate for it, but then there's also a sort of ambivalence about it, isn't there? Because yeah. the Kings originally take over from the judges and the judges are much more sort of uh, theonomic or theocratic in that sense. They are sort yeah, of and there's a concern, isn't
1: there? That, yeah. uh, that, 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 the Lord tells them you'll be taxed double.
0: Yeah. Get... Yeah. Yeah. That's Watch exactly out. right. That's Watch exactly out. Right. You'll be two tithes. Yeah. 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 So, so, but the other good thing about our monarchy, which, you know, let's, uh, and We'll come on to this in a minute, but you know, hope and pray it continues, is that it's a Christian monarchy. Mm-hmm. And that may have that may have not always come across. I mean, clearly, it hasn't always come across in, a, in the best way or that uh, we haven't always had really committed, faithful, godly Christians on the throne. But 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 nevertheless, it is a Christian monarchy. And then it, therefore, it is a powerful Christian voice. Uh, in the nation, in a nation which is increasingly secularised, and this is this is where I come to with this: like p- people who have a republican mindset, or people who would want to condemn the queen, or or condemn Charles, or whatever. You've got to ask yourself: what is the alternative? No monarchy. So just some kind of grey, faceless. Um, you know, bureaucratic class of politicians. All you know, they, all these people who have done PP at Oxford and 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 uh, you know, climbed their way up the greasy pole by uh, you know, kissing the right uh, derrières and so on and so forth. And none none of this. No, no, uh, nothing distinctively english or british all the pomp and ceremony and the pageantry and the color and the life and the eccentricity all of that just get rid of it and also get rid of the 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 opportunity for christian witnesses get rid of all of that because we've moved beyond it i mean is that really the kind of world we want to create or the kind of environment we want to create in our nation and
1: they wouldn't be politically neutral you know by, (laughs) by any means they would be presumably looking at the you know the world stage most presidents heads of state have some political affiliation even the uh even the irish president yeah yeah uh, yeah so uh, you've got to be you've got to uh, do you I, i think what struck me with with our system just practically is this 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 wonderful sense that every week uh our chief executive Liz Trust, in this case, has to go to Buckingham Palace, yeah, meet the monarch, yeah. uh, and have this kind of wonderful confessional therapy session, yeah, uh, where you know warts and all that they stand before someone who represents both the the, the grounded, you know, great mass of us, and also the kind of transcendent godliness yep yeah and, and to put yourself in that court every week and you know most pretty much all the prime ministers have come out and say thank goodness for that and yep. how cathartic that was to have that half an hour or sometimes two hours a week uh, with uh, your monarch confessor mm. uh, and to ride on the back of their wisdom Uh, And maybe with just you know to see in one lifted eyebrow or cough to realise actually this policy might be a complete nightmare and car crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've been saved from some of the craziest ideas and follies of men. Yeah, Uh, 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 Elizabeth in the last seventy years.
0: Yeah, I agree. And speaking of which, um, people have been talking about posthumous names for the queen, haven't they? And uh, we discussed Elizabeth, the confessor, which I think is a pretty good. Um, yeah.
1: That confound all the postmodernists.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Uh, I think I said to you that if she's if she were Roman Catholic, I think there would be a cause for her canonization.
0: Yeah. Yeah. indeed, She would become St. Elizabeth, the confessor. Yeah. St. Elizabeth, the confessor. Brilliant. Um, One thing uh, I would want to say about this, just to, you know, just try and think, you know, people who are struggling with this, who listen to this podcast, why, why might that be? Well, I think part one of the things one of the analogies that people would draw was the kind of mass press coverage um of covid you know what happened there you know how we have this kind of uniform press uh, pushing this narrative on people in a way which was clearly extremely disturbing and 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 tasteless and upsetting and and immoral in my view uh and and what's going on now mass media coverage and i think what people what i've heard a few times that people are suspicious of this because they don't trust the press and the press are liars and the press are trying to do X, Y, and Z. And this is just like COVID. This is just like princess Diana, blah, blah, blah. This is a kind of, uh, you know, this is an attempt to kind of whip people up into a political narrative. Now I would caution against drawing that analogy. Um, If you do just compare the situations, this is not some kind of storm in a teacup. This is a monarch who has been sitting on the throne for the last 70 years this is a British monarch. She is the head of our state. She is a great monarch as well. And her death represents, I think, a historically extremely significant moment in the life of this nation. So I think it, uh, there, there, is, there is an appropriate level of coverage of this event, uh, given the significance of it. So I would I would caution it, I would caution against that. The other thing I just caution against, and I, I feel like I must say this. Um one of the things I find so distasteful about progressivist politics is the, and I'm sure people know what I mean by that, but is there is the hatred and the vituperation and the bitterness, which is a which is so often part of it. Now, I'm not saying it's always part of it, but but there's sort of the, and I, I really think, I think there's a philosophical reason for this because I think the progressivist view of history is kind of you know things are developing, and if you get in the way, then you are you are against the progress of history and therefore We're you're a hater. Of, yeah, you're a kind of non-person and you deserve to be denounced, right? Um uh well, speaking of which um and I will make this point in a minute. But did you see that that academic that american academic she's a grievance studies academic who 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 tweeted that you know this was a uh, you know she tweeted some stuff about colonialism and how the queen had overseen this and that and then finished her uh tweet by saying may her you know she's dying may her pain be excruciating i mean this is this is exactly the kind of thing that i'm talking about that that is disgraceful you know regardless of what your political position is um you should never talk about people who are dying like that you know regardless who it is i would say even if it's saddam hussein or adolf hitler you know they're still human beings and the christian gospel i would say at least at the very least tells us that we must pray for our enemies and that sort of bitterness and hatred that's inimical to the spirit of christ and i would hope that people who are more sort of conservative or traditionally minded even if they're not Christians, would see that somebody like the monarch, even if she did things that people didn't like, deserves some respect when she's dying and her family. I mean, think about King Charles. There are things about King Charles. We'll talk about him in a minute. But there are things about King Charles that I I don't like, and we've we've had jokes at his expense on this podcast before, um, particularly when he was at cop 26 saying that we need to um you know spend several times more than global gdp on fighting climate change and all this kind of stuff you know we we did that hopefully it was in a light lightness of touch and with um you know a degree of mm. you know balance but nevertheless we did that but the man regardless of what you think you know, the man's father died last year his mother just died and the foot fa- on, on basically the same day in the same 24 hours he's got to start giving speeches he's got to start going around the country he's got to start uh, doing this and that you know and people are retweeting um videos of him getting upset about his fountain pen and 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 you know i just think like have some have some compassion on the man you know yeah, yeah, it, how do you feel how would you uh, feel if that happened to you
1: i i think a true conservatism uh and a a faithful christianity must abhor cancel culture it, it, we, we must uh, always return to that command uh, to you know love one another to love even our enemies uh, to be people of reconciliation uh, to be forgiving uh, to be kind, gracious and compassionate you know that, that there are that we can't just eject Christian virtues because yes. we're in a revolutionist mind. Uh, you know which is what you know mcintyre the philosopher back in his um uh, liminal book in 1980 after virtue you know he 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 rightly talks about that the liberal liberal the the mm. the, the, prove- the progressivist yeah. will by by nature uh, with the revolutionary mind talk up inclusion but in the end uh eliminate seek to eliminate quite harshly all resistance Uh, and I don't think that can be part of a conservative or Christian mindset we must resist that at all heart and be gracious and magnanimous Uh, because you know in the end otherwise what are we conserving and what are we Christian for
0: yeah yeah and and what do you hope from the situation as well that's this is what I come back to you know well if it's not if we're if we're going to condemn Charles and throughout the monarchy what are we left with? Well, we're just left with what Liz Truss. You know, that's that's what you want to do. You, you you don't you don't even want to hope. You know, love hopes all things, as as the Apostle Paul says. Let's hope. We'll come on to this in a minute, but let's hope that King Charles really comes into his own here. I mean, he's you know he's an eccentric man. He's a thinker. He's he's you know he's he's got off on the wrong track with this mad climate change stuff. He's got links with Klaus Schwab, which are troubling but let's hope he let's hope he oh. forsakes all of that for the duty of yeah. his role as a monarch you know yeah. it, it, that's that's what he should do and that's what i think he probably will do come come in come in here daniel because you want yeah, to no, i was it. gonna
1: say the fountain pen thing and, and yeah. the, the horrible comments about about oh, that were, were really Can we uh,
0: explain what it is for people who don't uh, know
1: um there's uh, i think he's in, in the, the north was he at stormont or the northern Ireland assembly i'm not sure and he was signing some particular. um act or whatever uh and um had an old-fashioned fountain pen that was provided
0: to him that leaked and, and as, he, as fountain pens regularly
1: uh, 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 clearly it goes on his clothes and yeah. his hands and it's you know it's spilt on the document and he he has a little rant about the stinking pen <laughs> bloody thing you know and all that that
0: <laughs> and, and
1: actually um I, I i had a sort of light-hearted giggle at it because um uh I'm a I'm a great fan of fountain pens and have been since I was a wee lad <laughs> and love them and know that it is it, it is a messy pursuit. Yeah. You, you are gonna end up with ink get at times spilling. Yeah. Uh and it, it is difficult, it is, it does take some time to get used to. Uh and uh, a, a crappy fountain pen can be really annoying. And 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 often people, I suspect a lot of people around him, maybe haven't. You know, you need to look after fountain pens. They need to be rinsed and washed yeah, um, yeah. because the ink, particularly if it's registrars ink, which they'll, I suspect they'll be using. Um, registrars ink is 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 one of the most difficult inks I think to to use. You know, because it's it's highly acidic. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you uh, you'll know this from the old wedding certificates. You know, when you write it out. You get almost no colour. It looks like a very light blue, but over a period of time it darkens. Yeah. To, uh, and it then, you know, a year down the line it will it will look black. But initially you think this pen isn't working. You know, I, I had a colleague here in in her frustration at a wedding, uh, took the fountain pen and uh and and flicked it like this, and turned round, and the bride had a whole series of dots around her white dress in indelible black ink. Yeah. Well, when we uh, were luckily, sued, we weren't sued. sued, and she saw yeah. the funny side of it and said, "Well, yeah. I'm never wearing it again." So I kind of have, you know. The,
0: we, it, used to, we used to flick fountain pens. Always, it.
1: I found that whole thing was a light-hearted moment, a human moment, yeah. uh, and just it, it to me demonstrated that that the fountain pens need a bit of TLC. And I don't think, you know, King Charles is anyway anti-fountain pen because, uh, he, he actually has, um, has under his name as the Prince Charles College of Fine Arts, where you can go and do things like calligraphy, icon writing, you know, weaving and what have you. He's really into, you know, old practices, uh, and, um,
0: yeah, and and also Daniel, I
1: think, to yeah, yeah. Do, I think
0: do. I think people were sort of um, thinking that he was being, you know, a prima donna and stuff like that. Right. Which you know, but but the other thing as well is again, I'll come back to this point. Like, his, he can you imagine the stress that he's under at the moment? Having his mother, his your mother, you know, his mother has just died, and he's got to go around doing all this crap. I would be immensely pissed off you know you you absolutely would be you'd be flattled. absolutely like you know when you're just totally wound up and you're like hardly in control of yourself because you're so stressed out just imagine that like a recent time in your life when you felt like that and then apply it to the king and magnify it tenfold that's the kind of pressure he's under and he's got and to make it worse he's got people filming him all the time mm. all the time when he's out in public you know people need to just you know, take a break from this, make some allowances for goodness sake. You know, it's uh, like cut him some and, slack. And if your fountain pen is
1: yeah is giving you problems, give it a wash. And I'd highly recommend it's a shout out for Lamy, oh, a good starter pen. Don't go for Parker.
0: No, no, uh, no, no. Parker is,
1: La- Parker La- is... Parker's cheaper. Cliche. Actually. It's a cliche, isn't uh, it? Lamy is a is a good start, is a good starter, and um get your kids into fountain pens and calligraphy. Yeah. It's a, a really special way of of, of writing. Uh, it, it it connects with your brain in a different
0: way. Words yep. flow better. But
1: yeah, poor King Charles. Yeah, poor
0: King Charles. <laughs> yeah, poor King Charles. Um, speaking of King Charles, Daniel, a couple of things. So I'll say something first, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Um, so a good article in Archbishop Cramer's, um website, oh. archbishopcramer.com, and I'll just put a link on this. Um, the thing about Prince Charles saying that he would be called defender of Faiths, or you know, mm-hmm. defender of 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 faith in general, rather than defender of the faith, which is the traditional uh, title of the English monarch since Henry VIII was granted that title uh, when he was opposing. Uh, Martin Luther. Lots of people don't realize that the English Reformation, the Continental Reformation, were very different, actually. And Henry VIII was not a fan of Martin Luther. Anyway, um, so Charles said, well, I'm not going to call myself, well, this is the story. I'm not going to call myself defender of the faith. I'm going to call myself defender of faith. Um, It's a very good article. I won't read all of it, but there's a good quote from Charles here from um, 2005. He was asked about his desire to be known as defender of faith without the definite article. And he responded as follows. No, I didn't describe myself as a defender. I said I would rather be seen as defender of faith. All those years ago, because when and when was it? I can't. It definitely says in the article when it was, but it was some yeah, time was ago. A, I think there's
1: a David Dimbleby interview round about the sort of Charles Diana split, maybe ninety two.
0: Yeah, so it was a it was a long time before even this in two thousand and five. Um, but let's continue with the quote. Um, so he said that because, as I tried to describe, this is Charles, I mind about the inclusion of other people's faiths and their freedom to worship in this country. And it always seemed to me that while at the same time being defender of the faith, you can also be a protector of faiths. It was very interesting that 20 years or more after I mentioned this, that must have been before the 90s then, uh, which has frequently been misinterpreted, the Queen, in her Jubilee address to the faith leaders, said that as far as the role of the Church of England is concerned, It is not to defend Anglicanism to the exclusion of other religions. Instead, the church has a duty to protect the free practice of all faiths in this country. I think in that sense, she was confirming what I was really trying to say, perhaps not very well all those years ago. So I think you have to see it as both. You have to come from your own Christian standpoint, in the case I have as defender of the faith and ensuring that other people's faith can also be practiced interesting also in his first address to the nation he did refer to his own faith as well specifically speaking about christianity so there's that there's that um there's that interesting aspect um, to uh, King Charles, and also you can see, I think, that just the intelligence of the man in the in the answer there. So, any comments you have on that, Daniel? But also, uh, you wanted to say something about some sort of Jordan Peterson esque remarks. You you think that maybe the, the king is? Yeah, uh,
1: I, I think the first thing I'd say is my, my um, understanding of where he is is that he that he's probably in. On the Anglican candle, somewhat higher than his mother, mm. um, and uh, you know has uh, more Anglo-Catholic sensibilities. I believe he is or was patron of the Prayer Book Society. Or, I, know, think, and- I think
0: I uh, think it was on Queen Elizabeth. Oh. She was the well. She was the patron. She was. Oh, I, I don't remember, know what it was, but she was the, the, the call chairman call of the, the Prayer Book prayer Society. Book.
1: <laughs> him giving a number of series of positive yeah uh positive speeches on on Cranmer's liturgy yeah um and and you would certainly see him in that in that ilk you know that this isn't someone who I, I think would particularly warm to some sort of liturgical mishmash I think he's probably culturally quite con- and aesthetically quite conservative uh as a baby boomer yeah you know, he's he's sort of unusual in in that in that um uh i think someone once said he's the he'd be the last man on earth to be chavtastic
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and, and he doesn't try to you know, he's not trying to be the sort of tr- um trendy dad in in that in that yeah. respect um uh and uh you know the anecdotal stories say that you know he has uh he has a, a rosary given by the Pope, mm. by John Paul II, by his bedside. You know, along with a prayer book, um, that you know he's uh, diligent in prayers and what have you, and, yeah. uh, and, and attends church regularly. You know, I think that's if if you look at the last five hundred years of British monarchs, actually, that's pretty good. Yeah,
0: it's not bad, is actually,
1: it? Actually, that's you know, that's that's a very good starting point for yeah. uh, uh, for for us. You know, uh, I don't think we're necessarily going to get in that respect uh, and anything too anything too kind of wacky i think where um and you mentioned this at the beginning you know that he is uh, archetypally the the philosopher king the thinker Mm. yeah um maybe maybe a somewhat eccentric esoteric you know he's someone who's uh, read a lot of uh, Lawrence van der Prost, you know, mm. like his father, that there is that sort of um, re- reaching into those sort of deep spiritual, religious Jungian kind of traditions, uh, the, the search for the hero within and all that. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, we've noted recent, I suppose, that you could say at the moment that the, the two big scripts going on, the two people who offer visions of where we can be, uh, the, the two giants at the moment of note are you know Klaus Schwab and his great reset narrative is one way that the world could go and the other way the world could go is Jordan Peterson. Yes. Uh, and, and I basically really those as save the planet or save your soul. Now,
0: right.
1: clever people like Kingsnorth can kind of entangle those together, but I think Kingsnorth, the... Uh, the environmental Christian writer, you know, in his sort of green Benedict Option theology, would say you always have to start with saving your soul. You know, you have to start with the particular. You have to get your own house in order, and that the danger of the Schwab technocratic globalist utopians, to which Jordan Peterson, in that excellent article, uh, and address that he gave to the Daily Telegraph uh, about a month ago you know really went for what he called the global utopians who will in their desire to to uh, create this sort of perfect future world of you know net zero zero covid and zero this and um will, will actually drive us off the cliff yeah um but but we're best in terms of We find our best version of ourselves, I think, more from tidying our own room, from starting within. Uh, And um, I think that's where the Peterson vision is so appealing and and has been until recently understated. Now, for me, I see within the the king a sort of that there's this unresolved um, thing within himself where, he is as I said one of these sort of rare baby boomers who uh, I think struggles with some of the excesses of his generation uh you know he's a, a an aesthetic traditionalist who can call out carbuncles mm. you know, he's he's a man uh who in was it pounds poundsbury the pounds world poundsbury um ha, has created that that model village in the Southwest you know he Uh, in in opening places like the Prince of Wales um, College of Fine Arts. You know, he is is reaching out to very deep traditions and some of his writings have been about, you know, uh, about this. And you could say that the Prince's Trust, for Mm -hmm. instance, is a great kind of Petersonian type of charity which says you can do this if you apply your mind and we will help you get yourself off the ground and, um, in that you're going to be an agent of change by getting your own act together first, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that has been an exemplary charity. However, we also know that that there that there's the, the, the other vision, which, as I said earlier on, is the, the sort of technocratic, globalist, um, uh, sort of, you know, ec- ecomania, ecomania, of Klaus Schwab, which is basically switch everything down, sacrifice, yeah. uh, uh, sacrifice our lives now in the wrong sense of the word. You know, yeah. we're going to make you choose between heating and eating, um, because we have to at all costs reach this net zero, and we're going to create all sorts of controls and surveillance, yeah. uh, and we're going to tram- we're going to trample over democracy. To yeah. get this, because we are in a constant state of emergency. Yeah, yeah.
0: While, think, whilst all these, whilst all these people, your Klaus Schwabs, fly around the world in private jets and drink champagne at Davos. By the way,
1: and I, and I think you know, maybe kingship, the mantle of kingship, might rebalance his view on this. That's my hope. That the the sheer weight of the traditions and the yeah. the 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 ritual and the ceremonies and the, the whole infrastructure of royalty will perhaps give him a different point of view and bring him back to, I think, what was probably a vision more in his 20s and 30s, that um, that part of our problem, or the starting point for our problem is what's going on inside us, that the kingdom is within. Yeah. And if we don't have our own act, if we aren't prepared to be saved, um, then it doesn't matter how many windmills we have, you know. As Kingswell, as uh, Kings North says, um, we're going to just end up mm. with more and more emergencies because yeah. we're not de- we're not truly dealing with the problem, which is we we lack a relationship with our with our Creator, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, I I think wouldn't it be especially in Fantasy meetup would be, you know, um the king having a podcast with uh, Jordan Peterson, you know, he yeah that actually that constituency let make
0: it happen, man.
1: Let's make it happen. Let's, let's let's make make it happen. That constituency
0: <laughs> Can you imagine if we could arrange
1: so up? profound to the yeah. time, which might resurrect within him um uh, some really good stuff, yeah, I think that would actually inspire people more than perhaps he or others might think yeah we know yep. that within the church yeah yep. yep. if, if the churches took a leaf out of peterson's book uh yeah they would be surprised at suddenly that the, the 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 sheer numbers of people leaning in and saying yes I need to hear this
0: yeah so so some comments on globalism and monarchy um, and this is this is um, where I think this thing with Klaus Schwab is kind of really curious because uh, it seems to me that the kind of globalism that uh, Klaus Schwab represents is inimical to constitutional monarchies. Um, Now, the kind of monarchy we have, at least, um, at least provides a situation in which you can have a patriotic view without allying that patriotic view to the current political setup, which I think is what you see in the US. It's like you actually see um, particularly, this is particularly redolent, I would say, of, of the Democrats, but may occur the other way around as well. But when you have, um, particularly Republicans in power and Democrats not, a very, very strong anti-patriotic and, and anti-American attitude, which is actually a kind of hatred of one's own country, and we do, we do get that bit here as well. But what the, what the, what the monarchy does is it provides a, an apolitical or, let's say, a less political focus uh, for patriotism. And I would say as well, this is another thing which is interesting about monarchy is that it's at its best, and I think you can see this as well with the response to um, Queen Elizabeth, it's something which speaks profoundly to ordinary people. It's not an elitist thing at all, which is kind of paradoxical, but the ordinary sort of soul to the earth, working class people, this is so, you know, it's such a meaningful thing to them. And as I watched yesterday, some people walking past the catafalque and and paying their respects to the queen, they've been queuing for hours. I think some of them have been queuing for days to do this, just to walk past, just for a few seconds, just to walk past, bow or curtsy to the queen. These people, many of them were in tears. I mean, it was it was actually transfixing. You could see the the sense of meaningfulness and profundity. And as I say, I don't think that this is hype. I don't think that this is a a kind of um, melodramatic. These mm-hmm. it, this was deeply deeply meaningful to these people. Now this is about national identity, not blood and soul nationalism, but a, a, a relationship with one's own country, which is one's own home. It's our home. Our nation is our home. And it's embodied in some sense, really powerfully in, in the person of the monarch, in this case specifically. But I would say I use this as a kind of general um, comment on monarchy. Globalist utopianism, represented, of course, by Klaus Schwab and the WF, has got no place for that at all. It doesn't want distinctive national identities. It wants You're a citizen of nowhere. Yeah, it wants it wants England to be or Britain to be like, you know, um state 32 in in the in the continent of Europe, which they probably rename as continent B or something. You know, that's that's really what they want. They don't want us having a a constitutional monarchy, they don't even really want us having any borders or anything like that. Um, because they want to be this kind of technocratic globalist um government, not. Um, democratically elected, and they think that if they're put in that position and given enough power and technology and so on, that they can actually plan and organise the world in a better way. So it's got absolutely no time for that. So I wonder. So sorry, a bit of a long reflection. But with Charles now, what's he going to do? Because he's the constitutional monarch. If he keeps if he keeps up with Klaus Schwab, what's that going to look like? It's it's hard to it's hard to imagine, isn't
1: it? Yeah, we say, Your, your Majesty, reach out to
0: Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a story there that will run deep within you. Yeah, uh, I, I like this. I like this, by the way. If I was an artist, yeah, if I was an artist, Daniel, which I'm not, uh, not a drawing artist anyway, or a painting artist, um, and let's face it, not an artist in any sense. So I'm not going to arrogate myself the word artist uh, and apply it to myself. But if I were an artist, I would draw a picture of King Charles and on one shoulder, I'd have Jordan Peterson and on the other shoulder, I'd have Klaus Schwab. And I think that would be a really, um, mm, yeah, that's, that, that, yeah. that encapsulates what you're saying. It's like, which yeah. way is, which way is he going to go here? You know, yeah. which of these, which of these people is he going to, is he going to listen to? Mm. Um, yeah. Really, really interesting. Uh, and really and interesting. of
1: course Peterson's thing about the environment is what he says is that, you know, uh, as, as, pe- as people get their, um, mm-hmm. as, people get their um, as people get their act together uh, and big be- and create wealth and prosperity, Uh, and democracy they become more caring for their environment we see you see this in the uk if you go to the poorer parts of the nation you you see desolation you see garbage you know you see um people are less attentive to to their environment yeah uh and um that's just a basic truth that that seems to escape the the globalists uh, yeah it can all be fixed by simply you know digitalizing life uh, and uh, putting dozens of windmills everywhere yep uh, i'm just gonna there's a, someone at the door
0: <laughs> okay okay so daniel's just um Answered his door and we're back. Um, we're going to do Daniel a bit of question the rev now. Um, so here we go. We should uh have some nice uh nice jingle That's coming true. up. It should be happening, but it's not. What's going on? The uh, it's not working. Oh, here we go. Welcome back, friends, to Irreverent. You know what, Daniel? That's a recording of an old podcast that just started. Um, where is it gone? Uh, I don't know what's happened. Um, if only Tom were here, then he could actually sing the question the rev theme tune. Uh, but he's not. So uh, anyway, uh, let's try it one more time, shall we? Might work. Ah. All right, Daniel. Yeah.
1: Uh, I never know to, uh, whether to have a jiggle or
0: not. <laughs> <laughs> it's now. All right, let's do this. We've got quite a lot because I just asked them on te- on sig- on uh, Telegram. Sorry uh about this just before we started recording so we've got quite a few things so let's go sort of quick fire let's go quick fire shall we so uh what are your hopes of the new era under Charles III I think we've kind of talked about that quite a lot uh, a return to um widespread Christian faith I think would be uh would be a big one for me uh yeah. in, a, in a word in a word Daniel we've got anything to add to that
1: well as we said earlier uh that um it's uh, it's tradition yes I think firstly the um, Peterson vision of encouraging us all to get our house in order
0: okay good next question uh what can i do in my daily life that will help me become aware of christ's presence how can i live a with god life let's try and answer this Mm, wow let's try and answer this concisely um i would say pray and read scripture every day that would be my basic answer Mm. What what would you say daniel
1: yeah i i think um the biggest thing that we do in terms of our sinfulness is that we we don't give time, the, the God the time that is due yeah. to, uh, you know, hence Shabbat, the Sabbath. Mm. So we need to set aside time. We diarify so many things uh, and we don't diarify God. We don't prioritise him in our lives. And that's really, really hard. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah. I think that is the first step to that. Yeah, time to listen to God. Trying to see God in others. Yeah, reading the scriptures.
0: Yeah,
1: building up that intimacy with the divine.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this for ages, and it would it would it would would mitigate go to church, it would mitigate against the quick fire nature of this particular question. Rev, but one of the things I would say is um, an analogy with exercise. Now, your personal fitness coach will say to you, look, you're not going to get your routine 100% right. You know, you could always be more efficient. You could always do things better. It's not it's not the the important thing. The important thing is that you're doing something, that something good is happening. You know, even if it's not the best it could possibly be, just do something and do it regularly. And remember the words of Christ in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, seek and ye shall find, you know, do it with faith as well. I've
1: heard a, um, an Orthodox priest saying, "The deceiver will tell us that um, we don't have enough time, and our thirty-second prayer wasn't worth it." But yeah. you know that in a in a dark room, if you open the door even a fraction, light will come
0: in. Yeah, amen. So
1: whatever you can do, even if it's paltry, do it.
0: Yep, yep. Now, Daniel, remembering this is quick fire, right? What is the Anglican view of Masons? Why are some Clergy Masons, what do you think about that? I think the Anglican view of Masons is complex,
1: has a complex <laughs> history, uh, and uh, various clergy would give different opinions. Um, I, I would say that there is a, a significant portion within the Church of England who would be adverse to recommending um, joining the Freemasons. Yeah. Because it's seen as esoteric, um, quasi religious. Uh, And what fraternity do I need when surely I I should have that fraternity where two or three are gathered in Christ's name in his church? You know, the church is supposed to be our final brotherhood.
0: Yeah. I would have. I know. I, have, I know there'll
1: be other clergy who have different opinions. I know. I
0: mean, I, I'd be, I'd be extremely sus- suspicious of Freemasonry personally. Um, you know, I do. Well, I mean, I'd probably just leave it there. But if you look at the say um, comments that I mean, Rowan Williams made when he was Archbishop of Canterbury, he he later sort of apologised for them. But you could see a deeply profound ambivalence and um, concern about Freemasons and generally speaking, clergy are not. Um, I think, I don't know whether clergy have ever been banned from being Freemasons, but it's certainly not advisable for clergy um, to be uh, Freemasons. So anyway, so that's that. Um, in le- we're getting through them all here, Daniel, see how we can do all this. So it, all these big topics. In layman's terms, why shouldn't I be afraid of death?
1: You should be more afraid of hell and the second death. Right. Because you're an eternal being.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, that's a good question, isn't it? That's a good, oh, sorry, that's a good answer.
1: Yeah, the I mean, such death a, of your soul—the death, yeah. you know—the death that is a thousand paper cuts of compromise you should be—you should be afraid of—in that sense of that moral spiritual failure. Yeah, carry that with you for all eternity.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think you're right, Daniel. I think we should be afraid of death. Um, if we if we reject the offer of eternal life, which is held out to us. Yeah, which is
1: exactly it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's, in C.S. Lewis's great divorce is that yeah. the offer is held out to us, but if we create within our soul a mindset which does not take up the invitation, which is yeah. going to be grumpy against uh, and ambivalent towards the things of God, yeah, then um, we have only ourselves to blame.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it just goes back to that Bonhoeffer quote, doesn't it? You know, death is cold, death is night, death is hell, unless it is transformed by our faith. So can, I can
1: understand why people would be, you yeah. know, anxious and, uh, and frightened of, course. Of,
0: of, course. of dying
1: and suffering and pain and causing t- distress to others.
0: Yeah, but that's, yeah, the, 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 the key is faith, isn't it? I know that sounds flippant. I was reading this really profound work by, a, um, I think he's a German philosopher, Eric Vogelin, who's um, a Christ- who was Christian. I'm sure he's dead now, but he was talking about how faith is this kind of re- very sort of thin thread on which our view of the world hangs. Uh, and it, he contrasts that with the kind of earthly certainty in the the physical re- realities which are around us. He's making, I think, a very profound point about modernity and and why modernity finds it so easy to reject faith. but that is true in some ways faith sometimes um, maybe a lot of the time it feels like this kind of this kind of this this thread, this sort of gossamer thread on which everything hangs and and the world around us seems so much more sure than that but that is what God has called us to. He's called us to this kind of faith like Abraham sacrificing Isaac on on the mountain. This is crazy. You know, so the kind of thing Kierkegaard talked about, this is crazy. This kind of faith is crazy. And yet that's what God calls us to to be and to have in this world. And there's something incredibly profound about that. Um, Anyway, sorry, we're supposed to be, this is supposed to be um, quick fire. Do you believe, says Sarah, that God may have protected our country and enabled a long period of stability and economic growth due to the faithfulness of Queen Elizabeth II? Interesting question like to think too
1: it's, it's, you know, that's all speculative but that's, that's yeah
0: yeah and also yeah economic prosperity yeah but but social decline and and massive decline of, of christian faith so i think you could say that but then uh, there's also a profound sense in which i think we're, we're we're living under the judgment of god uh because not the sort of you know that god has been sending big thunderbolts and things like that into our Mm. You know, into our nation and earthquakes or whatever. But in the sense that he's just given us over to our own folly and our own rejection of his mm. of his way. I think the the main and obvious example of that is the way that we've um, the way that we've disregarded what God says about marriage and family life, and we've gone our own way with it. And as a result, we have generations of um, of fatherless and uh, parentless and familyless children who grow up without any kind of direction uh any kind of um any kind of wisdom any stability in the world and you just see the fruits of that in society so i would uh, yeah i mean i would i would sort of question i'd question it on 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 that on that basis, we've got another question here, which says the queen good Christian monarch or the linchpin of the UK arm of the corrupt global elite. I think we've, I think we've probably answered that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've probably said quite a bit about that. People can infer our answer. Um, Can a Christian meditate with a mantra like WCCM.org? I don't know what that is. Uh, Or is this the prayer of the heart? So the prayer of the heart, presumably there is referring to the Eastern Prayer associated with the Eastern Orthodox, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, a sinner, uh, repeated over and over again. Um, Yeah. What do you think, Daniel? Um, My
1: my understanding of the Gospels is that in the end, what what Christ calls us to is, is an intimacy and a relationship, a fellowship with him and each other uh that that is the end point isn't it it is the, it is to be in the presence of god and, and to know to know him fully and to be fully known um so I, I think sometimes the danger with the mantra pushers is that they see that as an end in itself um you know some people in their prayer might use the divine name Um, or uh, some invocation regularly and find that that, you know, works with breathing. Well, okay, but there'll be others uh, and other religious scaffolding, other religious worldviews, which sees that almost as, um, that's the whole thing. But ours is a relational faith. It's about a friendship with God and, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a. I mean, I, I've heard of Eastern Orthodox priests uh, saying that the great danger, even with the the Jesus prayer, is in the end we're too busy saying it to have a relationship with Him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. I think there's a so place. I, I think, think you know, there's a place,
1: there's time, yeah. place for everything, but the ultimate destiny is the friendship with Christ.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, skipping a couple of questions here because we, we're we're going to do this for another four minutes or so. Um, can I have truly forgiven if I still recall the hurt? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll just jump in here, Daniel. Um, I would say yes, unquestionably. Um, you, I, I can easily imagine a situation in which somebody has done something so dreadful to you, or perhaps not even so dreadful, but just something very bad, which hurts you very deeply. And yet you come to a place of complete forgiveness to that person. But nevertheless, the the wound still remains. It could be a physical wound. You know, if somebody, if somebody hurt you physically, you could still physically hurt and nevertheless forgive. Uh, similarly, I think if somebody wounds your soul, uh, I think you could still forgive, even if that, even if that wound persists. So yeah, that would be my basic answer.
1: No, I, I mean, um, cosmically, you could say there's an argument to be said that Christ carries within him the only technological thing that, is exhibited in heaven, which is the nail marks on his hands and feet and the cut in his side, yeah. that he carries those wounds for all eternity. And that when we meet him in worship, that is one of the things that will blow our mind.
0: Yeah, yeah. He I hasn't think...
1: even brushed them out, you yeah. know, yeah. That, they, that, that somehow those marks are redeemed through his resurrection.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think... Um... Forgiveness, forgiving people who have hurt us, particularly those people who have n- n- never said sorry or if they're dead or whatever. I think that's one of the very very hardest things that we're called to do as Christians because because we can't control the pain you know the pain is something that takes time to heal you can, there are there are things that you can do I think to 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 help the healing process but nevertheless, when you're hurt, it is so hard to forgive. And particularly if the hurt is ongoing, and what I, I suppose what I would say is that the, if the hurt is ongoing, then the the process of forgiveness needs to be ongoing as well, because you have to forgive every time every time the hurt resurfaces, you have to forgive again and continue forgiving, continue forgiving. Something that I think is really helpful, um, just pastoral advice is um, if you're struggling with ongoing hurt because somebody's hurt you to uh, to have somebody to talk to about it. To, to to literally just speak out the words because sometimes when you're in pain one of the hardest things is actually to articulate um and 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 sometimes there's a fear there as well because it's scary even to bring it up because it's like the pain can resurface and if there's no one to talk to or if you don't want to do that uh write write down you know write down what happened write it all out don't you know you could write it as a prayer doesn't need to be evaluative just write down what happened just articulate it um I've I've found doing that kind of thing in my life really, really helpful. It's something that um, I've read Jordan Peterson talking about as well from a psychological perspective. Um, He has a rationale for it, which he says, you know, if you write things down, you can kind of understand what happened and it gives you a sense of security and helps you to plan better for the future and stuff like that. So I think there's a kind of psychological, practical aspect to it. But then I think there's also something spiritual there as well about – it's almost like a kind of confession or something like that. Um, And it also, I think, you know, uh, going – to confession to if, if that is your tradition confessing to a priest is also something which is really helpful confessing um difficulty and in, in not being able to forgive so uh anyway let's let's move on um i just wanted to say that because i think it's such a such an important thing uh last question there's a big one daniel my clock says one minute to 11 and we said we'd finish at 11 Yes, yeah, um, yep, here we go what is the spiritual metaphysical effect of baptism and how does it manifest in people? Surely it's an act of spiritual surrender and not a denominational membership ticket. God transcends religion. Question mark. But religion so often sets itself up as exclusive and the highest power. Not really sure I follow the logic there at the end, but there's a there's a question about whether baptism is a kind of spiritual transformation of a person or whether it is simply a sign. Of a pre-existing faith commitment and uh, a sort of further commitment to joining a particular congregation. What do you think? Uh,
1: I think again, there'll be different takes on this within the uh, w- within Christian community. Uh, I suspect you and I will take take the view that it's, it is more than just something that is symbolic or a sign of faith that that has happened. Um, yes, that's part of it but but also that as a sacrament as a sacred action of the church as a gift of the church um we we believe that in in that action god god allows us to be immersed in his life uh, in a way that is totally different to uh, anything anything else and has been for 20 centuries
0: yeah I'd, I'd like to read from uh, the article of religion 25 from the 13 known articles, which is one of our formularies um, as Good members start. of the Church of England and um, is in the Book of Common Prayer. So if anyone wants to read this, uh, that's what you'll find at the back of Common Prayer. Number 25 of the sacraments. Uh, of which baptism is one, sacraments ordained of Christ be not only badges or tokens of Christian men's profession, but rather they be certain sure witnesses and effectual signs of grace and God's goodwill towards us by which, by the which, sorry, He doth work invisibly in us and doth not only quicken, but also strengthen and confirm our faith in him. So we have in our article, we have something which is very, very different, I would say, to to the mere sort of confirmation of a pre-existing faith. We've got the uh, sacraments and therefore baptism are effectual signs of grace. That is, they convey grace to people. He works invisibly through us, uh, through them, sorry, in us, quickens us, strengthens us and confirms our faith in him. So, um, that certainly applies to baptism, and that would be the view of the um the prayer book and and therefore the Church of England, although clearly there'll be much debate about I'm sure if Tom were here, he'd want to say something a bit different, probably, but he's not um although we miss him deeply as uh it's quite refreshing to just uh, be able to agree with you very easily about that daniel um so yeah well, article maybe 25 I should, uh, <laughs> maybe you should try maybe we should try and out, dig out some radical protestantism um yeah. so um daniel i think we should leave it there for the day um anyone is free to email us uh, to uh, send us an email tell tell, tell us what you think irreverendpod at gmail.com irreverentpod at gmail.com uh join our telegram group if you like t.me forward slash irreverend. a lot uh, of discussion on. there yeah it's great because this is where i put stuff on most of the time i don't we're not you know we use twitter and everything but that's not really where i should do the interaction stuff uh, all of this is on our website irreverendpod.com. so all of our social media if you want to support us and buy me a coffee or patreon just go to irreverentpod.com and it's all there um Daniel, I, I think we should, what I'd like to do to finish is I'd like to read the collect from morning prayer. Um, but now a, a prayer for the King's majesty, not, not the queen's majesty anymore. So I'll do that in a minute, but do you have any final words or anything you want to, um, any notices or anything you want to give?
1: Uh, just to say how over the summer, it's been delightful having uh, fans of the podcast come to Sawcombe, Yeah. Uh, and bump into me. And I, yeah. um, where possible uh let's I, I hope that you know this continues because it's great
0: it's really great to meet yeah. people in the flesh it's so good to meet people isn't it it's really really good okay well let's uh say the collect for the king's majesty um from the book of common prayer uh, let us pray O lord our heavenly father high and mighty king of kings lord of lords the only ruler of princes who dost from thy throne behold all the dwellers upon earth. Most heartily, we beseech thee with thy favour to behold our most gracious sovereign, King Charles, and so replenish him with the grace of thy Holy Spirit, that he may always incline to thy will and walk in thy way. Endue him plenteously with heavenly gifts. Grant him in health and wealth long to live. Strengthen him that he may vanquish and overcome all his enemies. And finally, after this life, he may attain everlasting joy and felicity through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Just the prayer book is just the best, isn't it? Just the best. So it just sends, uh, honestly, it sends shivers down my spine reading that. Um, I have to translate all the pronouns because obviously my prayer book is out of date now and it's all, you know, she, her, all that kind of stuff. Wow. All right. Anyway, Daniel, thank you for your time as always. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll be with you again soon. Goodbye for now.